are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Christmas. It is, uh, can you believe it is Christmas Eve? That's crazy. Um, are you guys feeling good? I know that we're a small group, um, and I know that uh, you look around and it's like, man, this is not a lot of people, but I, I just want to say, I love when we can come together in situations and settings like this and, and just, it, it's like, it's almost like family, and I, maybe some of you are new here and you're like, yeah, this isn't my family, and it's like, hey, that's fine, you can, you can be visiting our family for, for a while, hopefully maybe this, this becomes your family, but, but I, I just enjoy being able to, to just kind of stop and, and like take a deep breath and be able to look at like, okay, what is this all about, right? Because that's, that's a good question. What is this all about? And, and what we're going to be looking at this morning is Luke chapter 2. You might have, might have been able to guess that's where we are going. Um, it is the, just, we're going we're gonna to look at just kind of one aspect of the Christmas story, of, of the story of Jesus' birth. And as we read through this, the, the main question that, that I want us to be asking this morning the main question is, you're turning to Luke chapter 2, we're looking at uh, verses 1 through 7 only, but the main question I want you to be asking yourself is, is what, space, what space do I allow Jesus to have in my life? What space do I give Jesus in my life, right? Because I think that's, that's a big question because we have things, like if, if you think about it, um, we have things in our homes, like if you think about what space things occupy, we have things in our homes that that I would say are, are very important, right? And maybe, maybe, even, um, maybe even we would say are vital. We, maybe we wouldn't say that in, in like that many words, but, but they act, we act like they're vital, right? Just think about it for a second. Like what are, what are some things that maybe you act like are vital? Um, for me, I was thinking about this and it's like, man, I think that if we are honest with ourselves, our cell phones would be one of those things. Right? If you think about it, right, we all have, like, I, do you know where yours is? Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we all, it's like, I, I don't even know why I have my cell phone in my back pocket. I'm not going to answer it if somebody calls me. But it's almost like, it's like, I just, it's just comforting to know that I know where it's at. Because most of the time, I lose stuff on a regular basis. My wife can attest to that. I'm always asked, do you know where my wallet is? It's like, why would I know where your wallet is? I don't know, but I don't know where it is. But, but my cell phone, it's like, okay, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that's like vital, but it is one of those things where I'm, I'm kind of always knowing where it's at. And if I don't know where it's at, then I'm using somebody else's phone to call my phone so I can figure out where my phone is, right? Or, or what about like, um, what about our, our televisions? Right? I, I, watched a, I watched a show, it's been a long time ago, but I watched this show where this guy, the main character, goes into his neighbor's home and realizes they don't have a television. And he's just like, he just can't wrap his mind around it. And one of his questions that he asks is, well, what do you point all your furniture at? Right? And I was thinking about it, like, that stuck with me because it's, it's so true. I mean, we've, we've moved around a lot. And um, it's funny because I remember when we moved to, to northern Iowa, or no, Cedar Rapids, this is what really stuck out to me, you, we, we bought a house, and when we were in the house, it's like, okay, well, first of all, where are we going to put the TV, 
right, in the living room, because then, then you can kind of figure out where everything else goes, because everything's kind of oriented at that, right? And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I wouldn't say that's vital, but if someone were to, to come into my home and they would look at the, how things are organized and arranged, it would be like, well, there's, it seems like there's a theme here. It seems like there's something that everything else is oriented around. But there are decorations. I love, I was just talking to Linda, I love Christmas decorations. One, and one of the Christmas decorations I have that is it's very valuable to me is, is uh, the barn for our manger scene. And, and it's a barn that, that actually my grandpa built it. And it's real, there's nothing to it. Um, it's a barn that my grandpa built actually for my parents when they got married. And, and this barn, it's, um, it's just super simple. But I remember when, when we moved to northern Iowa, we were getting ready to decorate for Christmas, and I couldn't find the barn for the manger scene. And I'm not usually a high-strung person. Like, I'm not usually given. My wife was like, yeah, okay, I, maybe I am, and I just don't know it. But, but when I, I couldn't find that barn, and I started, like, freaking out. Like, I started having a panic attack, which doesn't happen. But, but I was like, what are, what are we going to do? Like, I don't think we can have Christmas if we don't have this barn. And, and my wife's like, hey, just calm down, right, that, that soothing voice. And we found it, and it was all fine. But, but it was, it's one of those things in my life where it's like, I value this, but I'm not going to orient my life around it, right? Because that would be kind of weird. Like, another thing that, that I have that I value is the angel on top of our Christmas tree. It was actually the angel that was, I'm a, I'm a little weird, I realize as I'm going through this. It's like the, the angel that was on our tree when I was a kid growing up, and it's pretty ugly and it's like, it's my poor wife puts up with these things. It's pretty ugly. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I value that. But at the same time, it would be weird if you came over to our house in like two weeks and, and all of our furniture was, was pointing at this Christmas angel plugged in, blinking on and off. That would be kind of weird, right? You would, you would be like, I'm not going to stay here much longer because this is a weird place. Because we, we have those things, right? We have those things that it's valuable. I don't want to get rid of it because at some point I'm going to need it. But, but at the same time, I'm not going to keep it out. I'm not going to orient my stuff around. I'm not going to point my furniture to it, towards it. And, and when I don't need it, I'm going to put it in its big tub in a, in a month. I'm going to put these Christmas decorations. Some of you caught that. Some of you didn't. That's all right. It's snowing outside. We're, I, in, 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 a, in a time period, I'm going to put all those Christmas decorations in its tub, and I'm going to put it under the stairs, because that's where Christmas decorations go. Because, because it's, it's not something that affects my everyday life. It's not something that affects everything else. It, it, has, its, it has its place. And as we look at Scripture, my, my question for us this morning is, is, what place do we allow Jesus to have in our lives? Is he, is, he that, is he that vital thing where it's like, man, I, I got to make sure that, that my furniture is pointing at, at him or I got to make sure that, that I know where this is? Or is it one of those things where it's like he has his, he has his space, right? He, you ever meet one of those people that are just super passionate about Jesus and, and you kind of have that idea of like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I love Jesus too, but, but he has his place. You know that's for Sunday mornings, right? And my, my question, again, is what space do we allow him to have? Because that's a question that we see in his birth, and it's a question that we, we see echoing throughout his life. And, and in chapter 2, verses 1 through, 
through seven, we see this, we see this brought out. So if you're, if you're there, let's go ahead and read it together. Chapter two, verses one through seven. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Quirinus was governor of all mankind. That's, that's who Jesus is. The second observation that, that we see here is he, he wasn't received, although he's the gift of God, because there was no place for him. There was no room left in the end. Have you ever thought about that? Just the, the simple fact that there was no room. I mean, you think about the, the, the political stuff that was going on. You think about, think about all of that stuff. But, but the reality is, it's like, okay, yeah, you say Jesus is a gift. That's great. But it's like, it's like, a, it's like when we were pregnant with Jackson, um, our firstborn son, a friend, of, a friend of my wife's gave her a beagle puppy. <laughs> okay, none of you think that's funny. You, you must have not, you, you've never been in that situation where it's like, okay, we now have a baby and you gave us a beagle puppy to celebrate a baby. I think we're gonna be a little busy with the first thing, right? Like, like I appreciate the gift, but what am I gonna do with it? Where, where is it gonna fit? What, what, what am I gonna do? And see, it seems like the innkeeper as, I mean, think about the innkeeper, Think about the fact that, that there's this influx of people into Bethlehem. Like everything is filling up. And he's trying to figure out, where am I going to put them? Some of you have family, right, in or coming in. Or maybe you're the family going to somebody else's house. And it's like, where, where are we going to put everybody? It's like, well, I guess they can sleep on the floor and they can sleep on that couch. And trying to figure it out. But the reality is, is there's just no room left. And we see this continuing throughout Jesus' life. This challenge to where it says, okay, I'm, I am the gift of God. What are you going to do with me? We see one of my favorite stories in Scripture is Luke 18, where it talks about the rich young ruler, right, where this rich young ruler runs up to Jesus, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and it's a good question. It's a good foundational like, place to start from, right, recognizing Jesus is good and all that stuff. But Jesus, he continues to go on, and he's like, well, you know, why do you call me good? Only God is good and all that. And it's like, well, that didn't really answer the question. And so, so he goes on and he's like, well, you know the commandments. And he, he lists off, don't, you know, don't commit adultery, don't lie, uh, honor your father and mother. A couple of them on the front end, the rich young ruler's like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm good because I've, I've, I've kept all of those commandments. I've, my righteousness is, is good. Like, I'm good. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, okay, now wait, are, are you good or am I good? You keep saying things are good. What, what's actually good? Because then Jesus stops and he says, well, one more thing you lack. Go away, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And every time, every time we read that, lots of times when I read that, it's like, man, that's harsh, right? That's, that's hard, like, I hope Jesus doesn't ask me to do that. I, that's, that's hard. How, how, could he, how could he do that? But the reality is, is what Jesus is saying is he's saying, you, you say you're good, but you're so filled with your good that you, you don't have room for, for my good, what's actually good. Right? You're so filled up with everything else that you don't even have room for what you truly need, which is me, the gift of God. We see this when, when Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees, Right? I mean, so often with the Pharisees, there's, it's like, they're like the communists, right? Or I don't, I don't know what the present day, like, maybe that's politically incorrect. But like, the, they're like the, the, just the typical bad guys of the Bible. 
And, and they're, they're always coming up against Jesus. And in John chapter 5, verse 39, it says, uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. It says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. See, the, the reality of what the Pharisees kept doing, these guys, these, these, these teachers, these religious rulers, they, kept, they, they, were, they were trying to, to study the Bible and they were trying to, to do all these good things. But in reality, Jesus is saying, look, what you think is going to fulfill you doesn't, but you're so full of that that you don't even have room for what will truly fill you. You don't have room for me. And I think it's a good question for us to ask ourselves if, if maybe we would see Jesus as a gift, but in reality, it's like, but, but man, I, my life's already full. Where, where do I put him? What am I going to do with him? And you think about this season. I think, I think the Christmas season is a perfect example of this, right? I mean, how many times, like, uh, my, my son Jackson, I was praying with him a week ago, and, and his prayer, which I thought was awesome, um, I don't know if he was doing it just to impress me or not, but I thought it was awesome anyway. He's like, God, just, I pray that people would be able to understand that this is truly about you, that Christmas is truly about you, right? That message, that simple message that, that Christmas is, is not about the gifts, it's not about the trees, it's not about the lights, it's not about all those different things, that it's about Jesus. It gets lost in so much, doesn't it? And so many good things, too. Like, we're heading up to Kirksville um, sometime after this to, to be with my family, and I'm, I'm excited, and there's, there's some of that awkward family stuff in there that makes things interesting, right? But, but I'm, I'm excited about it. But at the same time, I think there's, there's those things where it's like, but, but am I so focused on what I'm going to do that I lose focus for who this is truly about? That I get so, so filled up all my time with, with shopping and family and things that are still, it's, they're good. They're not, they're not bad, but I don't have any room for, for what truly matters. And it's not, it's not just Christmas, right? It's, it's our lives in general. I mean, think about how busy we are. And we just keep getting busier. And, and we, we're so busy with jobs and we're so busy with family. We're so busy with, with kids' schedules or if you don't have kids or jobs or, the, I mean, I was, uh, God just really convicted me, uh, laid it on my heart here recently about how much time I waste just on my phone in, in like downtimes where I just, you know, pull up a little game or something. Anybody guilty of that? You don't have to raise your hand. Right? Where it's like we, we don't have any time where we can just sit and meditate. We, we fill it up with, with things that it's not, they're not evil. They're not, they're not bad. But they're things that aren't causing us to turn towards Jesus. They're things that are just filling us up with meaningless, meaningless noise. When God is saying, hey, hey, I am here. Like, hey, I'm here. I want relationship with you. Like, I wonder what would have happened if the innkeeper, like, I wonder what the story would have looked like if the innkeeper actually knew what was going on, who was knocking on his door, right? You ever think about that? Like, if it was, if the innkeeper uh, opens the door and Mary and Joseph are there and it's like, um, hi, we need a room. We're actually, my wife is pregnant with the son of God and um, he's gonna be born here pretty soon, so it'd be cool if we could have a place, right? Maybe you don't find that comedic. I think that's, like, if I were the innkeeper, it's like, oh, I mean, I don't know where we'll put you, but you can have my room. Like, like from this, like birth is super scary and gross, but at the same time, it's like, 
can you imagine from that day forward to be like, yeah, you know, you know, people bragging about what their house is like or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, that's cool that you have that many acreage or whatever. Uh, the son of God was born in my bed. So, you know, like what would have happened if the innkeeper was like, oh, not only, not only will I give you a room, but if you want the whole inn, it's yours because you're worth it. What would have happened if the, if the rich young ruler would have truly understood the goodness of the one who is telling him to go sell everything he has and come be with me? Hey, why, why don't you just clear all that stuff out, the things that won't fulfill you, and come and have a relationship with me? Come and see the things that I'm going to see. Come and see the things that I'm going to do. What would happen if the rich young ruler realized that? I think that it would make everything else, like, like that going and selling everything, I don't think that it would have been a, a huge sacrifice for him to get rid of that stuff, to have all that Jesus had for him. Right? You think about the Pharisees, these, these guys who, their heart, it was like the, the beginning foundation where they started from was good, but in reality, it's like you, you want God, but, but you've kind of lost your focus, and instead you're just focused on your own self, your own rules, your own laws. You're so focused on, on being good that you've, that you've forgotten that God is the one that's good. And the reality is that they were waiting for Jesus, they were waiting for him to come. They were waiting for the one to come and bring life and healing and restoration, right? They were waiting, and yet they missed it. Isn't that crazy? They missed it. They missed this gift of God. And, and I think about, like, they didn't miss it just because they didn't know, because later on in chapter 2, we see the, 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 the shepherds, you know, the angels come to the shepherds, and, and the shepherds are terrified, and, and they tell them about Jesus, so they run, they run and go, hang out with Jesus, right, as a baby, right, as much as you can hang out with somebody when they're a baby, but they go, they go check out Jesus, and it's like, this is actually what's happened, and what, what does it say after that? They, they leave, they're rejoicing, and what happens? Do you guys know? They, they go away, you, you can read it in uh, verse, nine, verse 18, it says, uh, or we'll start with 17, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at it. Uh, at what the shepherds told them. They, they saw Jesus, they heard what the angels said, they went and saw Jesus, they went away, they made it known, and what does it say people did? They wondered at it. What does that even mean? Like, they wondered, like, hmm, I wonder what that was about. Like, like what, if somebody runs by and they're super excited, it's like, what was that about? I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to get my own stuff done. They wondered at it. The, the magi, the wise men who come and they talk to Herod and they tell him, yeah, we're, we're seeking the king of the Jews. And then Herod's like, king of the Jews, what's this about? He, he talks to the, the Jewish people, the scribes and the people who knew about such things. And they come and they're like, yeah, the, the king of the Jews it says he'll be born in Bethlehem. The magi are like, yeah, okay, that's where we're going. What did those guys do then? Have you ever thought about that? What'd they do? Here these wise men come from the east. They know the stars. They're saying the, this stars, the king of the Jews has been born. The, the, the guys who know about it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's in Bethlehem. The guys are like, all right, we're going to Bethlehem. See you later. And they're like, oh, yeah, let us know how that goes. Wouldn't you be like, hey, can I come with you? That seems like a pretty important thing. Right? See, they didn't, it wasn't that they didn't know. It just seems like they didn't appreciate it correctly. And that word appreciate it even feels frivolous coming out of my mouth. 
but Todd, he was, he was Todd Van Voorst, one of the guys on our teaching team, he, he said that word appreciate literally means to add proper value, right? See, they missed it. They didn't appreciate it. We know more, right? They, they knew, they had been told, the shepherds, the prophets, the, the magi, the wise men, they, they knew, but they didn't appreciate it. We know and we can know a lot about Jesus, right? We have access. We can know so much. But, but see, they missed it. And, and my fear is that oftentimes we do the same thing. Even though we know more, we just don't appreciate it correctly. We don't add the value that it, that it means. See, we, we say, okay, yeah, he's a gift. But, but what, where would I put him in my life? What would I do? Where, what would I get rid of? And see, the, the, my, my hope, and again, the question is, what space do we give Jesus in our lives? Is he, is he vital or is he just valuable? And, and he has the place under the, under the stairs and, and the application this morning. My, my hope isn't that you hear, okay, you need to make room in your busy lives for Jesus. I don't think that's proper, uh, proper application. Because then you're trying to figure out, well, okay, I can, I can move this around, I can, I can do this, I can, I can do that. But in, in reality, it's like, the question is, is he, is he, is he vital to you? Is he, is he something where, where if you truly understood that he is a gift of God, if you truly understood that, that he is the one who is deserving of everything, like Zechariah, I have this, I have this verse up on the screen. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 68 through 72, he says this. After, after his son John the Baptist is born, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So what he's saying there is he's saying, the one who was prophesied about, praise God that he's coming. All right, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Verse 78 through 79 says, because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What he's saying there is he's saying the one who was promised is coming like sunrise in the darkness. We, we, are, we have been in bondage for so long. We've, we've dealt with all these struggles for so long, and yet the end is, is coming. And yet oftentimes we miss it, like, like missing the punchline of a joke or something, where it's like the, everything else, it doesn't make sense unless you get this thing. I was going to use my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life, but sadly, who all likes It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, okay, good, good. Those of you who haven't seen it, that should be a new Christmas tradition. After church, you go home, you eat, you watch It's a Wonderful Life, okay? All right, so, um, but, but when, you, when you watch movies like that and you, you, if you were to stop before the end, it's like, okay, none of it's going to make sense. See, see for us, it's not just about making room for Jesus. It's about recognizing that he is the one that we should orient our lives around because he is the gift of God to those who are, who are in darkness. He's the one who, who sets free the captives. He's the one that even if you've said that, yes, yeah, I've received him, it's like, okay, but does your life reflect it? Like, is the furniture of your life pointed towards him? Or is it something else? 
Okay? Do we see him as the one who gives purpose and meaning to everything else? That's what, uh, as we think about what does this look like, I was just thinking about a few things. See, when, when we understand that Jesus is vital, foundational, that he would be the thing that we point everything else towards. It's, it's more than just giving him space. It's, it's the idea of Jesus uh, determining how we work at our jobs. It's Jesus determining how we, how we treat those we work with, how we treat our neighbors, how we treat the stranger giving us coffee, right? It's, it's Jesus determining where we live, right? Now we're getting crazy, Right? But, but Jesus determining how we raise our kids and not, not, not the culture around us, but Jesus. It's Jesus that determines whether or not we get angry during a board game or not. That actually happened last week, so that's why I use that example. Because I, I, we were playing a board game with my family. I was getting angry. Like, like it wasn't even funny. Like the, I could feel it in myself. Like I'm a grown man and I am really angry at my 13-year-old son right now and I'm gonna destroy him in real life, not just in this game. But no, not for real. But, but see, when, when I was thinking about that, it's like I need to apologize to my son. And I did afterwards. And I apologized to my wife and I apologized to Nathan because he thought I was crazy. But you see, when we begin to see Jesus as who he truly is, it affects our every day. It doesn't just have a place under the stairs. It affects every day because every day has meaning because we see Jesus as the one who brings the meaning. And that's my prayer for us. As we celebrate Christmas, as we, as we celebrate this time, that we would, we would ask ourselves, okay, what does Jesus mean to me? What, what space do I give him, and, and him being a gift and him being worth it, that would color that in, and we would be a people who not only would, would be pointed towards Jesus, but would be able to point others to Jesus. Let's, let's pray. God, I thank you so much. As we, as we think about Christmas, and as we think about all that this means, and, and all that you give us, God, I pray that, that you would help us to be people who, who are truly centered on you, God, I pray that we would be a people who, uh, as we think about the things that we could orient our lives around, the things that we, that we do make room for, God, I pray that, that the challenge would be that, that we would understand and see that you are the one who is worthy of those places. You, you are the one who is, who, is, who is vital to us, not only vital but valuable as well, God. I pray that you would help us to, to appreciate you correctly and give you that proper place in our lives. We, we love you, God. We praise you, and it's in your name. Amen.